In Acts 17, um, why I'm bringing this up, because the Apostle Paul and a guy named Silas and Timothy were involved in the planting of the church of Thessalonica, and 1 Thessalonians is Paul's first letter to this church that he had planted, and I think we need just to get background again. We talked about it last week, but it's important to set the context so we understand this morning um, where we're headed and to connect the dots with what Paul is communicating in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2, if you will. Um, Acts chapter 17, here's what God's Word says, and this is Paul's, which missionary journey is this? Which missionary journey is this, y'all? Second missionary journey, okay, this is important, second missionary journey, and Paul has now arrived in Europe. He is in Greece, modern-day Greece, uh, the northern section known as Macedonia, and so here's what God's Word says, 17.1, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And so let's just stop there for a second. The Apostle Paul had traveled from modern-day Turkey all the way west to Greece. He arrived in Philippi, and we'll talk about what happened in Philippi probably next week. But in Philippi, um, Paul had been there. A church was planted there out of uh, affliction, out of difficulty. And then he traveled southbound, and he's hitting these little cities as he travels. And he arrives at Thessalonica, and the first thing he does is go where? Goes to the synagogue. What's the synagogue? It's a church. It's where the Jews would gather. And remember, the Jews were displaced, dispersed globally. And they would have churches, synagogues at these different areas. And all of a sudden, can you imagine Paul rolling into town? He rolls up to the synagogue and it's meet and greet time at the door. And what's your name? Where are you from? And they find out this is Saul of Tarsus, a.k.a. Paul. He was a heavy hitter in Judaism. You guys remember in, Philipp, in the book of Philippians, remember he gave his credentials, he, 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 show, he explained all the things that were once um, uh, uh, glory to him, things he once boasted in until he came to know Jesus Christ personally. He realized his life was headed the wrong direction and all those things are, are, he counts as manure or dung in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. But to, the, to worldly people, man, this guy's a heavy hitter. Let's give him a chance to share with the congregation. We got to hear from Saul, this rabbi. He trained at the feet of Gamaliel, the, the amazing teacher of Israel. Bring him on up. And what did Paul do? We don't need to guess, do we? Look what it says. This is amazing. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths, reasoned with them from the Scriptures. Isn't that beautiful? What did he do? He comes in as his custom. His custom was to go to the Jew first, correct? And then to the Gentile or to the Greek or non-Jew. He comes in and all of a sudden he gets the pulpit. He breaks out the Bible and begins to give a Bible study all those Old Testament scriptures concerning Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and his first coming, and he points out and helps them, in other words, connect the dots to see that Jesus is the promised Christ, the promised Savior of the world. And I love what it says. It says, he reasoned with them. Our faith is reasonable. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. He shared the word of the Lord with them, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And can you imagine that Bible study that he gave? Taking portions, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and then tying that in with what had happened in Jerusalem, helping them to see clearly. And then what was the result of Paul sharing from the Word of God? Look what it says to me. Next verse. And some of them were persuaded 
and a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. So a number of those from a Jewish background put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, right? We talked a little bit about that last week. A miracle has happened. People are getting born again, including a, no, a great multitude. How big is that? That's a, yeah, that's a lot. A multitude's big, isn't it? How about a great multitude? That's even bigger. So tons of Greeks, non-Jews, get saved. And also, what else does it say? Not a few of the leading women. What does not a few mean? A lot of leading women, like heavy hitters, maybe women involved in government, in society, some, some, some very important women also ended up getting saved. And then notice what it says, but the Jews who were not persuaded, what did they do? Becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. So you've got a handful of Jews that don't want to hear about Jesus, and they're ticked off. In fact, it says they became envious. Why do they become envious? Because now all these people that were once following them, right, now they've left and they're following the Apostle Paul. It happened, it happened the same thing happened to Jesus too, correct? Remember when the Jews handed over Jesus to Pontius Pilate, it tells us in the Gospels that Pilate recognized they handed Jesus over because of envy. And so these guys are envious, these Jews, and what do they do? They go searching for a mob, right? And they find a bunch of scumbags, a bunch of dirt bags, some evil men from the marketplace. And what do they do? They go to Jason's house, probably where Paul and the crew were staying, and they are, they're going to they're gonna take him out. They're going to wipe him out. And so they don't find Paul there. Look what happens. But they did not find them. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Wow. So they grab this Jason guy and some of the other brethren and do what? They drag him to the authorities and point the finger Hey, they're harboring these fellows that are turning the world, what does it say? Upside down, really right side up, isn't it? How about that testimony? Man, I pray that that would be our testimony, that we turn Houston upside down, the whole world upside down. And it only can happen because of Jesus and sharing the good news the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was ha that's what was happening. They were being faithful to communicate the word, and God was providing the supernatural. People getting born again, people getting saved, people getting smashing their idols and turning to serve the true and the living God. And so, what do they say? Hey, these guys are causing a problem, and then notice what it says in the next verse. Jason has harbored them, and these are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. They're breaking the law, saying, there is another king, Jesus. And there is another king, isn't there? He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so they're preaching, they're preaching what? There's a king, there's a kingdom, and that you too can be part of this kingdom. It is an eternal kingdom. And it's by putting your faith and trust, repenting of your sins, and putting your faith and trust in King Jesus. And so they're pretty tweaked about this. And they troubled the crowd, verse 8, and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So they're stirring up more problems. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So what did they do? They fined them. The government took money from them and then cut them loose, cut them free. And so Jason and the brethren come back, verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they continue to travel southbound to the next city. Now let's come back to 1 Thessalonians. Let's flip over there with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Everybody down? Everybody got it? Good? good cool? Okay. We left off last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Where? 4? 
Five? Six? Can I hear it? Seven? Two? I'm, verse two. Let's go back to verse two. We'll get a running start. How's that sound? Good? Paul begins after he gets through the greeting and, and who it's from, who it's to, and he says... He reminds the church of his prayer life and what he's thankful for. He says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. And so Paul remembered, Paul and his crew remembered the three components, the three basic building blocks of a healthy church, right? A work of faith, a labor of love, patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's so important to have a healthy Christian walk, to to be involved with a healthy Uh, Christian church. Those three building blocks are necessary and needed. And then he goes on to remind them that you're loved of God. You are loved by God and not that you've been chosen by God. And so he's thinking about them and remembering these things and reminding them of these things. And then he says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but check this out, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And so Paul says, when we came and shared the good news with you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, we not only shared the word of God with you, But God provided the supernatural. There was power that was seen. There was power that was demonstrated. And I would say, number one, the power of a changed life. Listen, being born again, (laughs) I think, is the greatest miracle of all. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. To be alive now spiritually, our eyes opened. We went from death to life because of Jesus Christ. That is a great miracle. But also we know, we talked about last week, Jesus said when, the, when, you're, when believers go preaching and teaching the word of God, that signs and wonders would follow. And there are certainly signs and wonders uh, 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 of examples of God's power that were being seen as the church was being planted, as Paul and the guys were ministering the word of God. But not only that, the Holy Spirit at work as well in a special way. And what does the Holy Spirit do? What is some of the ministry of the Holy Spirit? We know that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And so the Holy Spirit was doing his work. Isn't that beautiful? We simply share the word and the Holy Spirit's working on the opposite end. Are you with me? So when you're sharing with someone that doesn't know the Lord, the Holy Spirit's already at work convicting them of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And I pray, it's like, Lord, I don't want to get in the way of what you're doing on the other end. Help me, help me to, to comply with what the Holy Spirit's already doing. Are you with me on that, y'all? And so the Holy Spirit not only does that, but the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. And so think about that as Paul's sharing the word, as he's ministering uh, uh, the scriptures to them, the Holy Spirit is also bringing comfort to them. And we're going to see in a minute, they needed comfort. This was heavy. I mean, we just read about it. What was going on in Thessalonica? Was that an easy place to minister? That was a tough place, wasn't it? You got the mobs and, and people coming after you and dragging you out of houses and In Philippi, the same stuff happened. Paul got beat with rods. And so this is heavy-duty ministry. And so the Holy Spirit is bringing comfort. And not only that, the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us and leads us into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit's doing this radical work. And not only that, in much assurance also. And so I think not only were the believers assured, right? As Are you guys assured of your faith with the Lord? Doesn't the Lord do awesome things to assure us in our lives? He shows himself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal unto him. But also, I think in this verse, it speaks of the Apostle Paul and his crew giving assurance 
that what is going on is genuine, is legit. How do we know that? By the way they live their lives. Listen, a, ho- a holy message needs to be backed up with a holy life. And Paul's going to talk more about that in chapter 2. Why is that such a big deal? Because of the persecution the believers are facing, a lot of that persecution is people trying to tear down the ministry, trying to discredit the ministry. But listen, when your life is above board, when you're living a, lo- a Christ-like life, not, I'm not saying perfect. Is anybody perfect here this morning? Anybody arrived spiritually? No, none of us, right? We're not perfect. But we are growing, hopefully, in Christ's likeness as we walk with Jesus. And those people that come against us so often, if it's not physical altercations or physical um, persecution, people use their words, don't they? And, you know, sticks and stones break my bones, but words don't hurt me or never hurt me. That's not true. Correct? Words hurt, don't they? But listen, when you're living a life above board, none of those things will stick. It's like throwing mud on a wall and it just, it drops. And so Paul's reminding them of how they lived among them. Holy, holy message, holy life. And so he goes on, look what it says. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. I think that's so beautiful. So Paul came, shares the gospel, and he says, you guys, you all, he's right, you all began to follow us. And Paul could say, 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. To the extent that I follow Jesus, follow me. Are you with me? Paul said the same thing. This is so important because I would say Paul was a good role model, wouldn't you? He's a good role model. And Silas and Timothy as well. We need, please listen to me this morning, we need good role models in the church. A healthy church has good role models. And so Paul said in Philippians 3, he said something very similar about being an example or a pattern. Philippians 3.17, if you're taking notes, Paul said, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk going the same direction as you have us for a pattern. That word pattern speaks of a design so good that it's copied over and over and over again. Does that make sense, y'all? In this room, there's a design that's made that's so good, it's duplicated over and over. You know what that is? How many of you guys have button-up shirts this morning? A lot of us do, don't we? Is that a pattern that's been duplicated over and over and over again? Not a trick question, yes or no? Yes. Anybody have zipper shirts? No, it's out, 90s, right? No more zipper shirts. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pattern that is dupe. It's so good, it gets duplicated all over the world. That's what Paul's saying. We've given you an example. We've given you a pattern to follow that can be duplicated over and over and over again. Well, what was Paul's example? What was his, that, we need to ask ourselves that, don't we? What was his pattern? Well, in Philippians, remember what Paul said in Philippians? He said, I don't know about you, but for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, humbling himself, being obedient to the point of death. That's the mind that Paul says, I'm walking in, and the pattern to follow to walk in also. 
Remember what else he said? The things he counted loss, right? All the things that were in the, in the gain column, the worldly things, the worldly, the worldly uh, records and the worldly uh, credentials. He said, I count all of that. The direction I was once going, I count that all as manure in comparison to knowing Jesus personally. I want to know him more. Listen, do you want to know him more this morning? And the power of his resurrection. Does anybody want to experience his power more in, your li- in our lives? The fellowship, and I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Crickets, right? That's what Paul said. Be- because suffering is one of the tools God uses. I would say one of the main tools that God uses to make us more like Jesus. And you get to experience him in a special way when you suffer. And then he talks about being conformed to his death. And then Paul went on to say, forgetting the things that are behind and pressing on, pressing forward. How many of us hold on to so much baggage and junk we can't move forward? We're looking back. How far would you get driving looking in a rearview mirror the whole time? You'd run, run into somebody, wouldn't you? Every once in a while you need to look, take a little glance to look back. But Paul's like, I'm not living in the past. I'm not living off my past press clippings or my past failures. Those things are behind. Correct? Can you go back and fix your messes in a time machine? No, you give it all. I give it all to the Lord. I keep pressing on. He said those those that are mature in their walk have this same mind. And he's saying, here's the pattern we've laid out for you. Here's the example we've given you. This is a pattern that can be duplicated. It's so good, it can be continued to be duplicated. And then Paul said to the Thessalonians, you followed us and you followed the Lord. I want to read this from the Gospel of Luke because this has been so dumbed down in the church. The call to follow Jesus. Jesus said in Luke 9.23, He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Did you guys catch that, the call to follow him? That's not just for a few select Christians. That's for all of us. That is the call. And and Paul's reminding the church, when we came, we gave you an example to follow. You followed us. You began to follow the Lord. In fact, Paul will say later, just flip over with me, 1 Thessalonians 4. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 and 2, Finally then, brethren, we urge... Listen, when a pastor says finally, you know he's going a whole lot longer. Like two more chapters. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us. What did the Thessalonians receive from Paul? You received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. How do we walk and please God? For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Real simple, isn't it? And and here's the thing about this, is that Paul didn't just teach and say, do as I say, not as I do. Correct? What is that when when you do that? When you tell someone to do something, but you won't do it yourself? What do you call that? Hypocrite, thank you. Phony, right? We are to walk in those things that we are communicating. Correct? And our kids, listen, 
That's why it's so important that we are the same people here as we are at home, wherever we're led. Especially at home with our kids, by the way. You know what I'm saying? Can our kids smell baloney? They can, don't they? Like if you're saying one thing at church and then saying, doing something different at home, they know. And if there is a chasm between the two, pray that the Lord would help you today. That, that chasm would close. That we would walk in the light as he is in the light. Continually. That there would be, we would be genuine and real. That's what we see the example that Paul has set, not just teaching, but walking in it, and then saying, come follow me as I follow the Lord. And then it says, having received the word in much affliction, and then how? With joy of the Holy Spirit. I would say another mark of a healthy church is that you receive the word of the Lord. I'm so glad for our church. And I'm so glad that our church receives the word of the Lord even in affliction. Because there are some in our family here, our church, that are in serious affliction. And they are receiving the word of God. It's so important. It's easy to receive the word of the Lord when things are going good. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Preach it, brother! But when things are heavy and gnarly, to say, I'm going to be obedient, I'm going to do what the Lord says, even when it's difficult. I'm bringing this up because we live in a culture, we live in a country where where quitting is second nature. We live, in a, we live in a culture full of quitters. I'm just going to throw it out there. Quit on friendships, quit on marriage, quit on family, quit on churches. Quit. When did Jesus quit? Did Jesus quit? No way, man. Think about what was going on. These people are receiving the word. They're going, yes, thank you, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for, wow, I can't believe, I can't believe I'm forgiven and that you want me to walk with you and that you have a life abundant for me. And even though thing, I'm getting hit with, with abuse and, and words and all of this, I'm good. I've got the joy of the Holy Spirit because that's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. They've got something real going on with Jesus. They're abiding in him regardless of the outward circumstances and the inward emotions. And what's happening, they're receiving the word and there's joy in their lives. Can I encourage you to receive the word even in affliction and watch the joy the Lord will give you as you walk in it and trust him. A healthy church receives the word when it's easy and when it's difficult. Amen? Didn't Jesus talk about that? Did Jesus talk about that? Remember the, the sower, the parable of the sower? You remember that? The sower, the sower went out to sow. You remember that? It's the wrong tone, right? The wrong... Jesus spoke about the parable of the sower, right? The seeds. You guys remember that? He said, if you don't, he said to his disciples in the Gospel of Mark, if you don't get this parable, you're not going to get any of them. Like, it's so crucial to understand that one. And he spoke to them, like, right where they're at. It's an agrarian society. It's a farming culture. It's, it's people that are familiar with people scattering seeds and, and stuff growing up, and, and, and they understood that. And so Jesus spoke about the sower that reaches into his seed bag, and he scatters the seed into his field, right? You guys, remember this. Maybe that's not resonating with you. We do it with our, in our yards, right? The little thing to do the seeding. Isn't it time of year to do that? Right? Do you guys do your own yard? Do you ever watch your landscaper do it? Is that? Just kidding. 
right? And what does it do? The seeds go bling, 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 all over the place. Some hit the grass, some hit the sidewalk, some get under the bushes, correct? Okay, that's the deal here. Jesus says the seed is the word of God. Real simple. We, we're, we don't have liberty to say the seed is this or that. I think, it, I think it's this. No, 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 no. Jesus says the seed is the word of God. That's the word of God in the parable. The soils in which the seed land on are the condition of a human heart. So the first seed went out and landed on the wayside. When you are in Israel, sometimes you can go to fields and you can see the wayside. It's kind of like our sidewalk. It's where traffic is, where people walk on. It's so hard and beaten down, the seed cannot penetrate through the soil. Are you guys still tracking with me? Jesus said, that seed lands on the wayside, and what happens? The birds of the air come, grab the seed, and take off and eat it. And he explained to us what happens. Somewhere in the spiritual realm, some of us come in and listen to the word of God. Every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, I'm grabbing seed from the word, and I'm casting it out. Every time. You guys, know, you guys come here, you know you're going to get the word of God. Correct? Not song and dance. You're going to get the word of God. I'm, so I'm sowing seeds. Some of the people that come in here have a hard heart. It's the reality. So much traffic in your life. Your, your heart is so hard. And what happens? The word hits. You hear. But you walk out the door and all of a sudden... Satan rips you off. And listen, here's the deal, though. Here's the scary part. It can happen to any of us. It's spooky. Our hearts can get hard. That's why James tells us, receive the implanted word with meekness. Oh, Lord, you're going to speak to me today. That's why I encourage you guys, read ahead. Prepare your hearts for when you come on Sundays and Wednesdays or men's study or ladies' study so that your heart is prepared to receive some of us, there's just been so much difficulty in our lives, hardship. Your heart is so hard, so pounded down. And God wants to change your life this morning. And you receive that word, and what happens? A miracle happens. The, the power to change the life is in the seed. The DNA to change the life is in the seed, not in the sower. It's not the sower, it's the seed that has the power to change your life. The second condition, the seed fell on the rock. You guys remember that? And what happened? It springs up really quick, but then the sun, right, scorches it. It gets hot. The heat gets turned up. And what happens to that? It withers away. It dies. Why? Because there's no root, lack of moisture. And Jesus said that person is the shallow heart. You receive the word of God with joy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What a Bible study. What a church. Wow. You guys started from Jesus' revolution. That's amazing. Look where we are. The revolution's still going and the word of God. And, and then what happens? Monday morning, you go to work. And you're still riding high. You're stoked. But then it says, Jesus said, when persecution comes, or tribulation comes, for the word's sake, you fall away. In other words, the heat gets turned up in your life, in the workplace, at school, or wherever. It's interesting because Luke, when Luke gives that parable, or Luke recounts that parable, he said, lest you should believe and be saved. Whew. Heavy. But the Thessalonians, they received the word in what? In much affliction. Heavy tribulation, heavy persecution. They're like, yes, this is the word of God. And they, man, their roots went down. And they were well watered. Are you with me still? Third condition. Remember the third condition? What was it? Somebody over here? Peanut gallery? Where, where, where do you got? The thorn, the thorny, the crowded heart. Right? The seed lands amongst the thorns, and they grow up together, and the thorns choke out the fruitfulness. And Jesus said, what is, what's the thorns? The cares of this life? Riches? 
The concerns of this life in contrast to the concerns of the life to come, living for eternity. Instead, you're living for possessions and money and living for the things that are temporal. And what happens, it's interesting because it's a life that was once fruitful, but then gets choked out. Isn't that, and it, we see that, don't we? We've seen that here many times over and over a life that was once fruitful. Man, they were plugged in, serving the Lord, and then all of a sudden they didn't guard their heart with all diligence. And what happens? Now the thorns have choked out the cares of this life. How about COVID? I can't come back to church, man. I'm going to get COVID. Really? Aren't your days numbered by the Lord? Isn't your life in His hands? The early church, they lived their lives. The church around the world lives their life in danger every day, (laughs) getting slaughtered. Man, where you been, bro? Well, you know, the kids got sports now. I'm not, listen, I'm not down on sports. I love MMA, seeing grown men choke each other out in th- their briefs or whatever. <laughs> but when it becomes the consuming passion of our life, that's a problem. It overtakes our relationship with the Lord, and we're no longer fruitful for Him. Oh man, I got this promotion. Now I'm working seven days a week. So when are you getting plugged in? I'm not, man. I, I, once in a while I listen online. It's not the same as being plugged in. Isn't it different being together? The power of the Lord is here. It's way different than just scoping it out on YouTube or wherever. And so that life, the the word of God gets choked out. And then the noble heart, Jesus said, they receive the word and they keep it. Man, it becomes a treasure to them. It becomes life to them. And what happens? Fruit begins 30, 60, 100 fold, boom, 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 happening naturally, supernaturally natural, not supernaturally weird, right? And fruits, that's what's happening in Thessalonica. Let's get back to the because I went on a big bunny trail. Because look what happened. So that they received the word, right? Much affliction, joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became what? Examples to who? To all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. They received the word in much affliction, with joy, and they became an example to others. They became good role models, to others. It's interesting, that word examples, I know you, some of you guys like study Greek and love to dig deeper. We find that same word used in John chapter 20. Can't remember the verse, like 24. Remember when Thomas, you guys remember Thomas? You guys remember Thomas? Doubting Thomas, that help? Doubting Thomas. Unless I see the Prince, unless you give me some evidence, some proof that Jesus is risen, I want to see the prince. Same word, examples, prince. Their lives, the Thessalonians' lives, became evidence, proof that Jesus is alive. Beautiful. Became an example. Listen, how is your example this morning? If people were to follow you, where would they end up? Are you walking, following Jesus? Are you following the good shepherd this morning? Just don't answer that. Just let that wash over you. If people were following me this week, where would I lead them? Would I point them to Jesus, to the word of the Lord? Because look at the next verse. For from you... The word of the Lord has what sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in, what does your Bible say? Every place. That is so, isn't that beautiful? That, no? 
what was coming, what was coming forth from their lives, not only in northern Greece, southern Greece, but where? Every place. Let me ask you a question. What's coming out of your life? Is the word of the Lord coming forth from your life? It's interesting, that word sounding forth, it, it speaks of a loud noise that goes out and begins to echo all over the place. The word of the Lord was boom, 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 pounding all over the place. You know what that means? A healthy church exports good fruit. The word of the Lord goes forth from them. And we are so blessed, aren't we, for the word of the Lord? And then to go forth, we have all these different ways the word of the Lord can go forth. We've got a radio program, right, every day at 3 o'clock, 100.7. The word of, you know the word of the Lord goes out? The whole heart behind the radio program is not to build a church, it's to see God's word get out there. And we get letters from people in prison and from around town. And, and some of you have been listening to the radio program. And you come up and tell me and say, wow, I came because I've been listening to the radio program. Hallelujah. We want the word of the Lord to get out there. Any way we can, whether it's on YouTube or TV or whatever. Does anybody still watch TV? I don't even know. It's not on TV. On YouTube. You know what I'm talking about. But think about that. They didn't have those things. Did they? Let me send you this link to this sermon. <laughs> they didn't have that. It's by word of mouth, person to person, the word of the Lord, boom, boom. How could it get out to every place? Well, listen, Thessalonica is on a, was on a major Roman highway that went east-west. It's the Ignatian Way. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not. It went from Istanbul all the way to the coast of Greece, the west coast. So think about that. People are coming into town, and what are they hearing? The Thessalonica Diamondbacks are doing great, man, you know. And Who are they playing tonight? No, they're hearing the word of the Lord. And they're getting saved, and they're going out. And they're sharing with people. And then the seamen, sea seafarers, sea dudes, Guys that sail ships do business. <laughs> Sailors, thank you. Zoop, they come into Thessalonica, they get off, and this is like hedonism central, Thessalonica. And they're coming in, and what's happening? The church is sharing the word of the Lord with them, and what are they? they're getting back on board and traveling to Egypt and all these other places, and what, what's the word of the Lord doing? Boom, 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 it's going out. Listen, you can't give what you don't got. You know what I'm talking about? You can't give COVID unless you got it. That's a lot about COVID today, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, everything's COVID, so you can't give the flu if you got the You can't give it unless you got it, correct? For the word to sound forth from our lives, we have to be those that are partaking of the word of the Lord. It becomes a part of us. And it went out everywhere. They're exporting, a healthy church exports good fruit, is involved with the spreading of the word of God. A healthy church tells their story with their lips and their lives. Look what it says. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Not only is the word of the Lord going out, but their story is going out. Their faith in God and what has happened. Do you know that you have a story you do? All of, all, if you're a born-again believer, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you've got a story. You have a history with God. He's been nothing but faithful and good and merciful. Correct? You have something to share. Can I encourage you that there are people that need to hear your story? And a little thing I'm learning myself, it's good to hear someone else's story because it opens the door for you to share your story. I'm talking about with unbelievers. Oh, tell me your story. Oh, that's amazing. That's cool. Wow, how'd you get here? Hey, can I tell you my story? How I got to Houston or how whatever. And then now you get a chance to share the word of the Lord. You get to share Jesus with them. 
This church has a story. A healthy church has a story to tell. It's not about me. It's about what Jesus has done. You know what I'm talking about? You don't need to like pump up your story to make yourself have a good story. You know what I'm saying? Listen, because I talk to people and they say, I don't have, like I wasn't in a biker gang and all tatted up and I just have walked with Jesus my whole life. Hallelujah. That is an amazing testimony to the keeping power of the Lord, his faithfulness to you. People need to hear that, that you can walk with Jesus your whole life. I wish that was my testimony. It's not. But we all have a testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives. We all have a story. And this is their story. Listen to what it says. So Paul didn't need to say anything. Their story's going out. Their witness is going out. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. There's this testimony of Paul's ministry in their lives and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's called repentance and faith, by the way. You cannot be saved without repentance. This is, you can't keep going the same. If you're walking in darkness, you can't keep walking in darkness going that direction. At some point, you need to do a 180 and then put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's what they did. They turned from worshiping objects, from idols, from things that are created, things that bring emptiness into your life and no satisfaction and no peace. They turned, they heard the gospel, turned from those idols, and what did they turn to? The living God. The one who we get to walk with and talk with each and every day, who cares for us, who loves us, who cherishes us. Glorious. They turn to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about the rapture of the church right there, gang. And end of every chapter, by the way, he talks about the return of Jesus Christ. A healthy church is looking for the return of Jesus Christ. I would say if you are in a church that doesn't ever talk about the return of Jesus, you are in an unhealthy church. I'm just going to throw it out there. I know it's a heavy word for some people, not here, online. Maybe you need to ask your pastor why you don't go through Revelation or talk about the return of Jesus. Waiting for Jesus from heaven. Didn't he say he's coming? Did he say something like that? Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is a church looking for the return. They were looking for the return of Jesus so much. You know what they started to do? They started to quit their jobs. And they, did, they pulled one of these numbers. What's the prophecy update say this week? How do you know that? Because in 2 Thessalonians, you know what Paul has to write? If you don't work, you don't eat. Because why? Because the imminent return of Jesus Christ coming like a thief in the night should cause us not to quit working, but to be the best possible workers because we're doing it for Jesus. To do what he's called us to do, it opens doors to share his love. We're looking for his return. We should be the, we should be the busiest people, hardest workers to the glory of God. Not just chilling out, it's no, it's, man, we're, we're about our Father's business. We put our hand to the plow and not look back. It should have a purifying effect on our lives. A healthy church is looking, waiting for the Son to return from heaven, whom He raised from the dead. The Father raised the Son. Jesus said, because I live, so you too shall live. Even Jesus, 
who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's amenable stuff, isn't it? There is wrath coming, and it's only Jesus who delivers us from it, keeps us from it altogether. How beautiful is that? Why does he deliver us from the wrath to come? Listen, don't ever forget this, because Jesus took the wrath that we deserve for our sins. That's the only reason we are rescued and delivered because of what he did for us. That's the only reason we will not face the wrath that is coming. In fact, I'm going to finish with one verse, and then we'll head on out of here. Paul said in Romans 5, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's through Jesus that we're saved from wrath. Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. What else can we say this morning but thank you? Thank you for giving us life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for delivering us from the wrath to come. That we need not worry or fear. That our lives are in your hands, our times are in your hands. May we continue to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, to seek your face, Jesus. Forgive us so often we, we seek your hand and that we would just seek your face to know you more. To draw nearer to you. To experience your touch upon our lives. Thank you for ministering to our hearts this morning, speaking to us. And Lord, now in turn may we receive your word, your implanted word, the seed of your word, with meekness, with humility. And as we trust and obey, Lord, and walk in those things, may you work powerfully as you promise to show yourself mighty on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal unto you. And so, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. And as we're still in an attitude of prayer, as we finish our Bible study this morning, as our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, maybe you've been listening and you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally. And today is a day of salvation for you. Jesus loves you. He demonstrated his love for you and for me by coming and dying on the cross. For your sins and my sins, he gave his life. He suffered. He died and was buried and rose again on the third day, demonstrating that everything he said is true, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no man comes to the Father except through him. And this morning, he's, again, reaching out to you to forgive you and to rescue you, to give you a fresh start. You come just as you are. Let me pray for you. I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a prayer as you give your heart to Jesus. Would you raise up your hand? We'll pray together this morning. Anyone at all here this morning? Let's pray together if that's you. It's the most important decision you'll ever make is concerning your eternity and where you'll spend it. And the Lord's not willing that any should perish. You come just as you are. Can I pray with you? Anyone at all this morning? And just raise up that hand. Anyone at all? <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for this amazing family, the amazing work of your spirit. Please keep us close to your heart. Lead us in those paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And may your name be hallowed in our lives. Thank you for first loving us, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name 
your precious and holy name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may his face shine upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together for one last song. Jesus, we thank you for your time and your word this morning. 
We ask, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to receive your word with joy, joy in the Holy Spirit, Lord. May you fill us afresh and use our lives, Lord, to the furtherance of your kingdom, Lord, that you give us boldness to shine, to share before those that you bring around us, Lord, while we still have time, Lord, as we wait for your soon return, Lord. We pray that you would bless our time of fellowship now, Lord, please knit us closer together, Lord, that we would grow in our love for you and our love for one another. You continue to make us one as you and the Father are one, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for our time together this morning. May you be blessed by